you've ended up at The Fabric Podcast. Whether you feel like you've got some capacity to offer help to others, are finding yourself in need of some help, or really don't think you're that kind of person who needs help, we've got to start a conversation about help. My name's Chris. I, I am part of Fabric, and we're in the middle of a message series about help. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, we actually changed the title of this series kind of last minute, and I didn't know about it, and then it, it popped up, and, and Melissa was like, we're actually just going to change it to help. And I just bristled. I was like, I hate the word help. Everything about me is like, no, not help. I'm a chaplain at a, at a hospital. I just started a new job at North Memorial. Uh, and in my training as a chaplain, one of my mentors who's spoken here a few times, Verlin, used to train us out of the word help. He was like, never use the word help. You're not there to help. And we would say, you know, I helped this person. He'd be like, no, you didn't. You were there, you were compassionate, you were with them, you provided active listening and support, you don't help people. And I think what he was getting at is this word help can feel so pejorative, so paternalistic. It can be the dichotomy between those that are fixed and those that are so deeply broken. And either I'm fixed or I'm broken, I can't really be in the in-between. And so help gets complicated and messy. And yet, as I sat with this word help, because Melissa made me, and apparently I need it, (laughs) I realized that, you know, there is something true and special about the concept of helping each other. The concept of needing and desiring and connecting through help that is so vital and important, that goes beyond and deeper than, than a lot of things that we can really put words to. And whether I want to admit it or not, help is is just a part of my life. Offering help at times and receiving help a lot of the time. This week in particular has been a tough week for me. And man, my, my people, mostly Jenny, my wife, have been such a help to me. I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have been up here in front of you this morning without help. So I guess there is something really true to that concept. There's certainly a vulnerability when it comes to help that just cuts to my core. I want to take you back for a second within your own mind. And I maybe drop down a few notes on your Sunday paper if you come to think about it, but I want you to think about back to your childhood, back to when you first had this concept and notion about help. What were the rules that you had in your family growing up, in your own mind, of what did it mean to ask for or receive help? What were your family's rules about help? They probably weren't overt. They were probably kind of communicated in deeper ways. I know for me, I come from a medical family. My whole family is medical. And so for us, we were always the helpers. Constantly, my dad was receiving phone calls of, what am I, what's going on with my medical condition? Can you help me? And that was, that was acceptable in our family. 
And you could ask for help, but it was only within our nuclear family. To the rest of community, to the rest of society, we, us Lillahais, were the helpers, not the helpies. So think for yourself, where did you learn about help? I know for a lot of us, the concept, the, the notion of asking for help is virtually, we don't do it. I've talked to people about help over this last couple of weeks as I was preparing for this message, and almost universally when I asked people, they kind of laughed and said, I'm not one to ask for help. That might be true for you. And I wonder, when did you learn that lesson? How deep does that go into our subconscious, into our understanding about ourselves and others? And when we go into these helping situations, I want to be real honest with you of some of the questions that, that come up for me. Uh, would they do this for me? Would they ask me for help, or would I ask them for help if I needed it? Who else is going to know if I help? Am I going to get the credit I deserve for helping this person? When is enough help enough? If I say yes now, does that mean I have to say yes tomorrow? Does that mean I have to say yes next week? What if I need more help later? If I ask for help now, but then the situation gets worse, and I have to ask for help again? What is that going to feel like? These questions might not necessarily be overt or conscious within our brains as we wrestle with kind of the notion of help, but I think it is important for us to be aware of what kind of questions we are asking ourselves as we enter into this relationship with help. I'm going to engage your imaginations again. So I want you to close your eyes if you're willing to, and I want you to imagine a time in which you have either asked for help or, or given help, and it has fallen completely flat on its face. It just really hurt inside. That relationship ended up worse because of the concept of asking for help. Now, maybe for those of us that have a tough time asking for help, maybe it was in our families, our roommates, our coworkers, our boss, our partners. Jot down some notes of what it felt like to get help that was not so helpful. What did it make you feel inside? Now, after you jot down a few notes, I want to welcome you back into your imagination. Close your eyes again if you're able or willing to. And I want to, you to imagine a time in which you have asked for or just received or given help, and it's been completely fruitful. That relationship was woven much deeper after that scenario. Again, it might be a loved one, it might be a patient you worked with, it might be a colleague or a client. I want you to write down a few more kind of 
again, how did it make you feel inside? How, how did you feel after that scenario was there? So this week, we're going to particularly focus on what, what is helpful help. Because I think so much when we, when we talk about, when we analyze our, our relationship with help, it's, it's the bad side of help. It's the times in which it wasn't fruitful, when it wasn't helpful. And instead, we want to talk about as a community, how do, we, how do we open up ourselves to the fact that there is such thing as helpful help? And in fact, I would make the argument that it's kind of essential to create communities like we have here and that we want to see in the world around us. Helpful help isn't self-referential. And by that, I mean it's not focused on who we are as people. And I was obsessed with this as a child, that I had to have the perfect, the perfect motivations in order to help other people. So much so that when I was a kid and it would snow out, I would sneak around my neighborhood with a shovel and shovel out all of my neighbors. But I couldn't get caught, because if I got caught, that means my motivations were wrong. And I had to have perfect motivations in order for it to be actual helpful help. Talk about a weird scenario to be in. I mean, what? Eventually, everybody in the neighborhood found out who the weirdo was that was shoveling them all out. And, but what I realized through that, kind of looking back on that, that it was, I was trying to do it with the best motivations in mind, right? I wanted to be helpful, but it was all about me. It was all about a self-focused idea of what help looked like. And it solidified that dichotomy between me being the helpful one, right? Us little highs, my my family are always the helpers, never the helpees. And so if I could sneak around and not get thanked for any of this, then I truly was the helper. And there was no relationship there. I didn't give any opportunity for me to connect or even if the other people wanted the help, I just would show up. This can also be true when we ask for help. Right? We get so obsessed of whether I'm needy, whether I am important enough, whether I have the ability or the fortitude or the needs to ask for help. Again, it gets so focused on ourselves. And I want to clearly from my story, it's not about us having perfect motives for asking for help or receiving help or giving help. It's about turning ourselves to look at the relationships that we can create with other people. Instead of being so obsessed with who I am as a person, I can look at the relationship and how it can be more deeply woven together. The other thing that a helpful help isn't is judgmental. This is another word that I kind of bristle at, and here I am using it in my own talk, so I have no one to blame but myself. I get it. We, can, we are always judgmental. Us as humans always are going to be judgmental towards other people and ourselves. So can we put that aside? Where, where is the motivation for the help coming from? I wonder if you go back to thinking about that, 
that scenario in which the help, the help fell on its face, when it wasn't helpful. I wonder if part of that was because either the person receiving the help felt judged or you felt judged for asking for help. Now we may, again, we may judge other people and we can't put that away. What I want to encourage us to do, though, is how do we be overt and honest with ourselves about where those judgments come from? What are we feeling and thinking towards the other person? How can we be honest with ourselves of what that looks like? I feel like uh, when we're in this place of judgment, we can enter into help and just feel like, wow, they are so needy and I'm glad I'm not them, so I'm going to help them out. Or I am so needy, I could never offer help to anybody else. I am just a, a vortex of help and I can never offer it to anybody else. We talk about this a lot in Care IQ series that we do kind of with this community on a regular basis, but the key is, is that we are sometimes the helpers and sometimes the helpies and sometimes both in the same situation. I was talking to Heidi about this last week as we were kind of preparing this message and she was talking about how she brought the youth to uh, the crisis nursery and they had a debrief afterwards that I thought was just beautiful. And she asked the, the young adults there, how did you receive help while you were here? And I thought that was just awesome. Instead of entering into this situation as the saviors who walk in and help all of the people that need help, she really turned it on its head and, and asked, how were you the help, the help ease, the one receiving help in this situation? And I wonder if we can start asking ourselves in, in every relationship, how are we the helpers and how are we the helpies and how do we go back and forth between those two? That we're not stuck in one or the other. So let's move from, from the negative side of what helpful help isn't to the positive side. And the first and I think one of the most crucial components of helpful help is helpful help has consent. It is really important that both parties agree that we can provide, we can be in this relationship of help. So I don't know about you, but when help is forced on me, even when I know I need it, it's never helpful. And I also know that I can see somebody that's really struggling out there and I know they need help, but if I try to force myself in there, if I try to make them receive help in the way that I think they need help, it rarely is helpful either. I think it's really important for us to sit with this of what does it look like to enter into these situations knowing that consent is really crucial to how we relate to others. The second, and we've talked about this a little bit so far, is helpful help is about relationship. Helpful help is about weaving each other together, knowing that something deeper and bigger can happen when we are connected with one another. And I'll make the argument that help really can be a way in which we can become deeper and more connected to one another. It's not something that has to separate us or group us into one or the other. It's a way that, it's a way that we can truly connect. It's about strengthening and growing those relationships, which 
can be just beautiful at times. The third is helpful help is about boundaries. We talk about boundaries a lot as part of this community, and I think it's because they're so hard and yet so helpful. Boundaries are, are just are important to understand what can I do and what can't I do within a situation. I might see someone who needs help and know that they need it and also know at the exact same time this can't be me. It might be something that brings me anxiety or it might be just too much for me to handle. It might be something that hurts just too deep that I can't enter into that situation as a helper even though I want to. And part of it is respecting those boundaries. It's also about respecting the boundaries as a helpie. I might know that I need help and that someone is willing to give it, but I might not trust them. I might not want them to help me. I might have done that before and felt judged or hurt or that it's all about them when they help me. And maybe they're not the right person to go to anymore. So those boundaries are really important for us to understand where help can be helpful and isn't helpful. And these boundaries can change. Some days, some weeks, I can be more helpful. Some days, some weeks, I can be helped more. One time I can say I can help with something. Another day I can't. And part of being honest as a community is that we enter into those relationships. I know that at communities that I've been through to before, when, when people have been asked to set up, for example, and they kind of feel like they can't at this time in life, they'll just leave the community. They'll kind of just ditch out because it's hard to have those boundary conversations. Maybe that friend that keeps asking you for help, you'll just stop it answering their phone calls. And I'm going to argue that's not really boundaries. That's setting up borders that aren't permeable. So maybe having that hard conversation of saying, you know what, I just can't right now. And I see your need. I see you. And I can't be that person right now. Finally, helpful help is about vulnerability. Ugh. (laughs) Vulnerability can feel great when it's somebody else being vulnerable. But man, oh man, when I'm asked to be vulnerable, when I'm asked to get in front of a bunch of people and say, I had a really tough week, my anxiety was really high, I needed help and I didn't ask for help, that's really hard. I can feel lonely. I can feel isolating. I can feel depressing. And I wonder if vulnerability is not the issue, it's how we're received in that vulnerability that becomes the problem. There's so many articles and research that, to suggest that vulnerability is actually how we deeply connect with other human beings right? And 
I would say that it's also the way that we can be most hurt by others. So vulnerability is not necessarily the issue. It's about how I'm received within that vulnerability. When I can be vulnerable with somebody else, when I can admit my own pain and hurt and have that received in a way that's lifting me up as a human being, there's no more beautiful places that I've ever encountered. And when I've been vulnerable with somebody and I feel rejected or judged or hurt, there's no lower place I've ever been. And I wonder if that's the case with you all too. Melissa did a great job last week, and one of the things that she kind of, the mantras that she laid out for us was, today, you, tomorrow, me. And that's where this helper, helpy, this vulnerability can really be this beautiful relationship builder. Jesus talked a little bit about kind of what does this help mean, and, and this uh, might be a little obscure, but, but stick with me here. Uh, in Matthew 20, so one of the books of the gospel, speaking about Jesus, uh, Jesus gives this parable of, for, and he starts out with, for the kingdom of heaven is like. I like how Melissa rephrased it in a more fabric way of life deeply woven is like. What could be is like. And he describes this landowner who goes out and hires these people to work in his vineyard. And he, and he asks one of them, he starts at the beginning of the day, kind of sunrise, and he says, he's talking with this individual, and they, they agree on, considering the guy's boundaries, what a, what a wage for that day could potentially look like. And they agree on some amount of money, a denarii, which was the, a livable wage for one day of work. And then at 9 a.m., the landowner goes out to the marketplace and, and sees more people there who need work. And he says, come on, I need, I need you to, to join me on this vineyard. I'll, I'll pay you what, what you're worth. And then he goes again at noon and again at five. At the end of the day, when there's no more work to be done, he goes again to the marketplace and he sees people there. And he says, come, come with me to the vineyard. I'll pay you. And at the end of the day, he's giving out the payments for the day. And, and the guy that kind of was there first gets his money and he goes, wait a second, you're paying each of us the same amount. This isn't fair. This isn't right. I worked harder than they did. And yet, so much of that is about that judgmental, self-referential. He agreed in his own boundaries what he is worth for that day, and yet he kind of struggled with this. And the, the landowner responds and says, friend, I am not treating you unfairly. Don't you agree with me to work for the standard wage? Take what is yours and go. I want to give to this last man the same as I gave to you. Am I not permitted to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. When I was in seminary, one of the professors said this was one of the hardest passages for him to get his head around. Because it feels so unfair. 
If they're as able-bodied as I am, shouldn't they get the same amount of help that I get? Shouldn't we leave? Isn't this all about self-abilities? What I can do, what I can provide to society, and I should get paid according to that? And I think what, what Jesus was pointing towards here, here was, was that there's a different economy that he wants to point towards. And it's an economy about abundance. We can sometimes look at help as this limited resource that we have to guard. There's only a certain amount of help that can go around, and either I have to be very diligent of who I provide that help for, or I can't, I can't ask for help because I don't deserve a part of that pie, or I could be taking it away from somebody else. And instead, Jesus is like, no, there's abundance here. There's more here than you could ever know or imagine. When we have life woven deeply, when we recognize that there is a third strand that is bigger than what we could ask for or imagine, we understand that help is abundant. When we enter into relationships that matter, I don't know about you, but there's a few people in my life in which I can ask for help and they can ask me for help, and it's just this beautiful, it's, they're my family. You know, I wonder if this man who argued about his pay, what if those weren't strangers that were getting paid? What if they were his loved ones? What if they were the people that he cared about? Would he have a different perspective of them getting paid? I'm blessed with relationships that we get to ask for help. We get to lean into each other. We get to have that life woven deeply with each other in just some beautiful ways that get to extend what help can look like. And it doesn't feel like help. It doesn't feel like I am needy or I am needed. It feels like a relationship that has grown deeply. And I think that's what we want to be as people, part of this community. Comparison stifles help. Compassion unleashes help. Comparison stifles help. Compassion unleashes help. Comparison feels like it's really at the crooks of why this helping is so hard. You know, Jane down the street has four kids, and she works full-time, and she never asks for help. How can I ask for help if I have two kids, and I only work part-time? Or Jim down the street, he always asks for help every time I walk past him, and so I'm just going to ignore him. He's so needy. Or I can't ask for help. That's not a part of who I am. Or I'm so needy right now, there's no way I could help anybody. That's all about comparison. This guy who worked in the vineyard, he was fine with the payment that he got for the day, at the beginning of the day. It was only until he saw other people getting paid the same amount for less work that it became an issue for him. So as we compare ourselves to others, it's constantly looking at it is a zero-sum game that there's only a limited piece of the pie that I can have or give out. But if we switch that to compassion, to realizing that these are our kin, 
these are our people, it changes that di- dynamic in such a beautiful way that can just connect us with one another. It can help us understand that it's not about me or the other person. It's about us together. It's not about me helping that person and so they get the promotion because they just look like they did it on themselves, so that's all that our boss sees. It's about realizing that we're all in this together. And we get to have boundaries. We get to know when it's too much. We get to make decisions. And we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of a community that matters. That is deeply woven with each other. I'm so thankful for a community that is about abundance and not scarcity that is about the other and not about ourselves, about the relationship that really matters, that can change the economy of what it looks like to lean into and with each other in this beautiful mess we call life, that we get to be deeply woven knowing that we are loved and lovable and loving. May it be so. Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at Fabric MPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, fabricmpls.com.